Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport podcast. Coming up, we'll look ahead to a bumper weekend for Bailiwick Sport. After a whirlwind 10 days uh, since that travel announcement, Guernsey FC returned to action on Saturday. We'll hear from club director Nick Legg and forward Ross Allen ahead of their trip to Sutton Common Rovers. It's also an exciting weekend for Guernsey Raiders. After three straight wins on the road, they return to Foots Lane for the first league outing there since the pandemic. A look ahead to their clash with Leicester Lions coming up. And while the Raiders women lost their season opener last week, some amazing news for one of their standout players. We'll hear from Tanya Skoltz after her call-up to the South Africa national team. I'm Tony Kerr and with me today is Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. And Rob Battis. Hello, hello. Great to see you guys. Uh, lots going on this week. A kind of week that we've all been waiting for, really. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been looking forward to the 2nd of October for a long time for Raiders being at home and actually... Being able to see them for the first time in um, nearly 600 days, I've been looking. I've been looking. Uh, the last time they played was the 29th of February 2020 at home. So uh, it'd be great to see them. But yeah, we weren't really expecting GFC to be playing on the same weekend uh, away until last week. So it's certainly um, a bumper weekend for us. Yeah, certainly all happening at once, isn't it? And that's uh, so good to see. Lots to get into. Um, let's start with some picks of the week, though. Before we do all that, uh, Rob, I'll come to you first. Right. Um, highlight has to be the ongoing furor relating to Manza and Chris Tardiff. You see, we finally got some some justice being done uh, this week when um, the pr- whole process relating to the san- initial sanctions um, thrown at um, Manza and Chris Tardiff, the Ireland football manager, have been dropped and that was completed. Uh, but now we hear that the Guernsey Football League management are taking out new sanctions against Manza. Not Chris Tardiff. He is, the honour manager is free to continue as were. And um, I believe he will. He says he will. He says he's done nothing wrong. Um, but Manza plough on. And of course there has been, um, you've seen um, Rob Thompson, their secretary, walk away saying, I can't do with it, deal with this anymore. But Manza carrying on. Um Seems to be a bit ridiculous to me, the whole thing. I've spoken about this many times, but um, now I've sort of been alerted to the fact that, of course, that um, it seems that the GFLM are moving the goalposts um, relating to what you can do in terms of approaches to players, etc., um, which we all know, of course, that go on all the time, every season, people move from club to club, and, of course, it's always as a result of somebody saying something to somebody else. But now apparently we will be, um, have to work through these new these separate FA rules where um, you basically um, have to give seven days formal written notice of an intention to approach a player in the first instance. So that means, shall we pick out a name of a player? Shall we say Ewan Melrose at Sylvans? I'm sure he's a Sylvans through and through, so he's not going to be moving. But if I wanted, as another manager, to... Pr- to approach you and Melrose to come to play for me, I would then have to contact Guy Hardy or the secretary um, a week ahead of the approach when I'm going to ring you and say, come and play for us, please, Ewan. Presumably, um, the secretary would say, no, you will not be. <laughs> you can't do that. Anyway, once you've done that, um, basically... Um, you can only make one approach to only one player at a club at any time and then you cannot approach another player at the same club within 28 days of an earlier notice of approach or acknowledgement. You also may not approach the same player a second time in the same season. So, uh, but this is all going to be put down in writing, which, of course, 
is a nonsense. This is not how football works. We know how, how football's worked for 100 years and people have moved from time to time and people talk to one another. And I just think, you know, unfortunately, the authorities here have got themselves in a right pickle. And it's not showing us football administration to be in a great light, I'm afraid. That's your highlight of the week, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's a highlight in that fact it's absolutely so plainly ridiculous and a small matter, which this was, where unfortunately Chris Tardiff put out some, um, some messages which were basically pretty harmless, but I can see why the, the, at least one club were offended by it. But he apologised. It should have all been dealt with behind closed doors very, very quickly. GFA could have cut Chris in and say, Chris, we don't like this. Please retract it. Chris would have said, yeah, OK, fine, move on. It's not been good. Well, I th- sorry, I just want to say something. The one th- point I want to just make with um, Rob Thompson particularly, I think he made it quite well. That I know Rob very well through his dealings with Griffins and how much work he does for Griffins at cricket. And I'm sure he does that probably multiple for Manza because the football season is that much more long-lasting, what have you. And when you get guys like him being driven away from a sport, it just cannot be good. You need people who are willing to do that sort of role. And he does it so much, with puts in such long hours, certainly through the cricket side of things. Um, and it is not good for any sport if they lose administrators of, of his dedication. Hmm. Yeah, it's a dangerous game, isn't it? It not is. many of them around. After all, I mean, the authorities are there to foster football. I don't see this as fostering football. Gareth, have you got a, a more positive mine, highlight mine is, of the week? Uh, yes, mine's perhaps a bit more of a, on the happy note, I suppose. Um, last uh, weekend, we had the rerunning of the um, Langcrest Open Golf, um, the, sort of the, the, the big event of the Langcrest Golf Club calendar. It had been postponed in August because of the bad weather, funnily enough. It, they had a, an absolutely perfect day for it in September. For the last Saturday of September was far better than the middle of August. Um, a couple of things to note. Um, the winner, Andrew Boyd, um, it's an outstanding round to shoot a 60 net off any handicap is phenomenal he, he was playing off nine that day he's, he's gone down to five now um, he's a very capable player Andrew he's, he reached the, the Ireland seniors final this year um, like he said to me afterwards he said he, he hasn't actually had a very good stroke play season which is why his handicap was at nine um, but to shoot a, a 69 gross which uh, equated to 60 was just outstanding um, but I think perhaps the highlight of that tournament for me was just the, the beaming smile on Arthur Evans's face that he won the scratch salver. Um, he's had a brilliant month just to be able to get into the Guernsey Island team, which has been his big goal. Um, and then I actually I was out taking some pictures on Saturday and I met up with him sort of halfway through his round. And he basically told me not to bother following him because he'd... Um, He'd taken a triple bogey on the third, having found the sand off the tee and taking a couple of shots to get out. So he didn't feel his um, day was going particularly well at that point. And actually, just after I left him, he put he, he hit the pin, I think, on the 12th um, green, having almost come up with a hole in one. So I was just delighted for Arthur to um, for him to get his name on the board on the scratch salver. Uh, it obviously meant so much to him and um, he, he worked so hard at his game it's, it's good to see him get the rewards Talking of net 60s Gareth you say they're very very rare to come by I can tell you now categorically that many many moons ago I in partnership with the then sports editor John Pevin shot a net 60 in the first round of the Star Trophy Open Foursomes absolutely unbelievable round everything we putted we were both playing off 21 or combined 21 handicap, I think it was, and um, every single putt dropped on the first day, and I remember we went into the bar afterwards, and I was 
um, sitting there waiting for a drink to come and heard some chap saying, have you heard who the leaders are? They shot a net 60. They won't do it tomorrow. They won't do it. <laughs> well, that guy was dead right. Because the next day we return an 85. We, <laughs> we, we failed to break 100. We were absolutely appalling the next day. Anyway. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> Perhaps you shouldn't have gone to the bar in between rounds. <laughs> I was devastated. And I had this bloke right as off. Oh, got your head but, he was, but he was right. He was bang right. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk uh, a bit more rugby later on in the pod. But uh, first, though, let's hear from Tanya Skoltz, uh, obviously one of the standout players for Guernsey Raiders uh, ladies, who's had, a fair to say, a bit of a, a big week and a, a bit of news that's got a lot of reaction and uh, uh, generated a lot of interest. And this is her call up to the South Africa squad for a European tour in November. Um, she's part of a 33-strong squad for that. I think one of six uncapped players um, in the in the setup, uh, and they're going to be playing games against France, a test match against France, and then um, a game against Barbarians uh, women as part of a double header at Twickenham. Um, we'll hear from her in a moment, Gareth. Uh, I mean, just put it into context for us. Just you know, I suppose where South Africa are as a squad, and and, and the, the challenge that that Tanya will face it, sort of coming into that setup. Yeah, well, sure. Obviously, it's um, <laughs> it's. I think it's a bit of an understatement to call it a step up because it's going up into international rugby from sort of uh, the club rugby which Raiders ladies play is, is absolutely massive. Um, it, it's something that Tanya um, made quite clear sort of last spring that she was aiming to become um, involved in the Springboks setup. So that's, that's great for her. Uh, yeah, and in terms of women's rugby, the Springboks aren't the sort of tier one nation that they are in men's. Obviously, they're the current uh, men's world champions. Um, they're actually in 13th in the women's world rankings, so they're sort of a, a bit lower than most would be. Um, when it comes to international games, they, um, they've they recently played Kenya and came out on top of those, but just before lockdown, they were playing the likes of Scotland at home and um, giving them a good game, but not um, they didn't win those ones. Uh, when it comes to the women's rugby France are another level. They, they are a real top side. So that would be really interesting to see how the, the Springboks go in that. Uh, it's great that Tanya's going to get involved. She, it's something she has aimed for. Well, let's hear from her now. I spoke to her a little earlier on. I, mean, I guess, first of all, Tan, just, uh, just give us a sense of, of yeah, just how you're feeling right now, your reaction to the news that, you know, that, that you're going to be you know, part of that squad. And I suppose that the whirlwind this week has um, yeah, definitely generated a lot of interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... Thanks, Tony. Um, yeah, it's been um, quite a crazy couple of days. Um, I I wasn't I wasn't necessarily surprised about about being included because, you know, the coach has been um, chatting to me over like the last few weeks and giving me updates as to um, the squad. But I was um, yeah quite surprised when it was out in the media because I, I wasn't hundred percent sure of when that would happen um but yeah i am absolutely elated uh it's it's a dream come true for me give us the the sort of backstory to how you got involved because you know i don't know how many south african coaches are down at um foots lane you know week on week watching guernsey raiders ladies so how, how did the whole opportunity come around um yeah so actually i you know a few few years ago i um thought you know I really want to play for South Africa um, you know it's my it's my home country and and 
I just thought, you know, you never know unless you, you try. So I actually reached out to um, co- the coach, Stanley Robenheimer, um, and I asked him, you know, does he think there's any chance that I could maybe, you know, try out for the Springboks um, and, and maybe join a, a couple of training camps, etc. And, you know, we were just in communication um, since then. Uh, when I did contact him, I, I did send him you know, like a little bit of a rugby CV, um, some some newspaper clips and some footage of, of me playing. And, and you know, I think that did um, spark an interest from, from his side. So, yeah, um, got into contact. He um, said, you know, if I, if I wanted to, I can join one of the training camps in South Africa. Um, this was last year just before the pandemic hit so um in february 2020 so yeah i went down to south africa and i joined joined the training camp and um it was it was very intense but it was an amazing amazing experience and uh, i think ever since then um i've really been working towards uh ensuring that i make the squad what was that training camp like in terms of you know the standard of rugby that you're going into and 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 how it differs you know perhaps the the ability and the intensity to to what you're used to playing with um with the raiders um yeah so when i went to the training camp uh, it was it was definitely quite intense um because obviously uh in Guernsey we don't have like four or five days specifically dedicated to uh only like rugby training so um going down and, and experiencing that was really fantastic. Um, you know, it's, it's, everything is quite organized. Um, the facilities that, that the women's team um, can use in South Africa is, is really amazing. Um, and then as well, you know, the, the diet and, and um, the nutrition uh, that we have on that campus is, um, you know, catered specifically for, uh, you know, rugby and, and um, ensuring you get, like, the right food, etc., um, and nutrition in after your training. So, yeah, it's quite regimented. Um, it's early mornings um, and, like, you know, two, three training sessions a day. But it wasn't just that. Like, a lot of it was also, you know, the coaches discussing strategy, um, what their plans are over the next few years, and also just, you know, building the team and... and um, I think also just, you know, uh, giving the team encouragement um, and making, you know, us aware of the possibilities that uh, and and the potential that, that the team has. Um, yeah, so it was really like, it was fantastic, you know, doing those team building sessions and having those discussions regarding strategy. And um, even Rassi Erasmus, who's the director of rugby in South Africa, he um, attended the sessions and, you know, he had a chat with us and just spoke to us about what it was like for the men's team um, the 18 months leading up to them winning the Rugby World Cup. So, I mean, it was an amazing experience. That's very cool. That's very cool. And in terms of your journey to this point, um, when you started playing for Guernsey, I mean, what, what was your rugby background like then? Uh, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like at, at school, 
Um, I was always active, you know, I, I, I played a lot of netball, um, I played hockey, you know, I did, I actually did um, some martial arts, I did karate for quite a large period of my life. Um, yeah, so I was always trying to, like, you know, be active. Um, and then when I moved up to Guernsey, I'd always had, like, a little bit of a dream to play rugby. And it just seemed like, you know, the perfect place to actually, you know, attempt it. <laughs> so <laughs> I did just that. And, yeah, it's, I think it's worked out quite well for me. Yeah, pretty good attempt. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, um, yeah, you've got, you know, rugby's been pretty important to your family kind of more widely. Um, yeah, it must be it's a pretty proud moment to, to get to this point. Yeah, you know, um, my family are extremely proud of me. Um, I am really, like, blessed in the fact that I've got four siblings and my mom and, of course, you know, my dad um, used to play rugby. And they're just, like, extremely supportive and... Um, you know, quite elated at this this uh, opportunity for me, and yeah, I think they they know how hard I've been working to get to this point, and they also know how much it means to me, and I also know how much it means to them. So, yeah, they're all they're all really excited, um, and they're just looking forward to to whatever um, happens in in the next coming months. And on the schedule, there's a couple of games already in, 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 you know, as part of this tour, a test match against France and a, and a game at potentially at Twickenham against Barbarians women. Um, have you allowed yourself to think about what it might be like to step out in the Springboks shirt in one of those games? Um, yeah, you know, that, that is obviously, um, that would be a dream come true for me. But I think at this point in time, my focus is really on just, you know, getting, making sure that my fitness is where it needs to be when I join the rest of the team. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily have expectations. Um, I think I just need to work on being the best player that I can be. And hopefully um, the coaches see that potential and, and select me and to play a game. And if they do, that'll be amazing and if they don't you know I think just that experience um, in itself will be enough for me to be um, yeah super happy and um, elated at, at being able to be part of something uh, and to be part of um, you know the the progress and development of rugby uh, in South Africa and also you know just I think there are a lot of things that I'll be take be able to take back from that experience and you know share with with the rest of my teammates here in Guernsey. On that note, um, what can you say about how Guernsey Raiders ladies and how that setup has has kind of got to you to this point? Um, yeah, you know, um, I must say that uh, I've, in terms of of playing rugby with Guernsey, you know, that's where it all started and. Um, the club is very, very close to my heart. Um, you know, the, the way that the team, the women's team, has progressed um, over the last, you know, three or four years has been fantastic. Um, and I've been very lucky to be part of that over over the years. Um, so, yeah, no, the, the club has definitely helped me get to where I am today. Um, and, you know, specific individuals uh, have been, always been very supportive and coaches, etc. Um, and I just, I think that, 
you know what from from my perspective i i want women to know that they can play rugby and they can play sport and if if they have goals and aspirations you know they they can be reached because if i can do it then so can um anyone else um so yeah i just think for me at this point in time the development of of the youngsters in in the ladies rugby team is really important and um there's so many new players in in the in the squad right now and they're experiencing the first rugby game and you know it makes me think back to when i experienced my first game and you don't know what potential may be coming out of those new players so yeah i think i think obviously the the women's um club the Raiders club has has played a vital role in my development as a player. Thanks so much for your time and um, yeah, best, best of luck. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Thank you for the chat. Tanya Skoltz there. Very best of luck to her for what will be an exciting few weeks ahead, I'm sure. Now, it's also an exciting and busy time for the Green Lions, having waited and waited for news of whether their season would be able to go ahead. And it's fair to say for a while, it looked like it wouldn't. Uh, Things have really taken off. It's just 10 days now since that travel news they'd been waiting for, which meant they would be able to compete again. And on Saturday, they head to Sutton Common Rovers for their first game in the Isthmian South Central, a switch from the division they were playing in before the pandemic. It'll be little surprise to hear they sit bottom of the table, having played no games so far. Most of their rivals several weeks into their seasons now and on four, five or six matches. Uh, Earlier, Gareth and I were joined by director Nick Legg and forward Ross Allen to look ahead to the weekend. And I started by asking Ross about Sunday's hastily arranged friendly against St. Martins, their only real preparation before things kick off for them. Yeah, um, I was a bit worried, actually. Um... Obviously, I haven't been playing too much. That was my first game on grass for Guernsey FC. Whew, I can't even remember, yeah, year and a half at least. Um, well, I suppose we had the originals game, but, a, you know, a really sort of competitive game against uh, the Premier League champions from last year. And they gave us a very good test. And just exactly, I was just saying thank you to all their boys and their staff at the end because it's exactly what we needed. Um, I think... The, the whole thing's come a bit out of the blue and a um, bit of a shock to the system. So it was good to, within a week, you know, get that game that's vital ahead of, uh, ahead of this weekend. Yeah, it's a bit of a whirlwind, I'm sure, for everyone involved in the club uh, this week. Uh, we'll come back to on-field matters in a moment. Nick, uh, I know, you know you're heavily involved off the pitch in making a lot of things happen at Guernsey FC. Just talk us through your sort of 10 days or so <laughs> since that travel announcement. Yeah, it's been very busy. I mean, I've been... Uh, been probably working till midnight most nights for the last well last fortnight trying to get things done it's um you know there's practicals that you forget about um but there's also you know the reality is we need money now so uh travel costs a lot of money um and you know we don't have a lot of money in our bank account it's the reality because we've not been commercially active for the last 18 months and um you know, we're very grateful to our main sponsor, Handpicked Hotels. They've been absolutely fantastic. They're supporting us again uh, this season. But uh, now we need to go out and make sure commercially we're ready to uh, be back on the pitch. And in terms of getting the fixtures lined up on the, on the pitch, um, GFC head off this weekend uh, to Sutton Common Rovers, the first game. But how much do you know about what things are going to look like in the next two or three weeks? 
again, I mean, we're in a brand new league, so Sutton Common Rovers, we've never played them before. So there's things like, you know, um, in the leagues we played in previously, you know, the coach company know how to get there. Um, we know any kind of, um, sometimes, you know, don't go down that road or you're going to get stuck if you go down this road. So we're going to learn new things, which is going to be fantastic. But, um, you know, this week, the curveball that came in is, will we have enough petrol to get to the game? <laughs> so, uh, which you'd never think of. So, um, but talking about those new teams, we have to build relationships with them now. Um, it's very different for them traveling to Guernsey. So we've got to, educate them with a lot of information um, but also we've got to check you know they, they know things are different when Guernsey comes to town so we've got a lot of work over the next few weeks and kind of reaching out to the clubs we're playing and, and making sure everything um, goes smoothly. And off the field as you say um, lots of new things to get used to on the field a few new faces in the mix Ross um, yeah I guess a, a little bit of evolution from uh, the last time that GFC would have played in, in a league context yeah, how do you feel things are shaping up? Yeah, good. Um, I think we've got a sort of, now it's time, you know, last week was great. We had an amazing training session, um, close to 30 boys, I think. The excitement was there. It was like, you know, kids at Christmas and then the Saints game so quick after that was brilliant. Chance to get out, um, stretch the legs and like I say, get some new faces involved. Uh, I think this week we've got to temper that excitement a little bit. It's time to focus, uh, especially for some of those guys. You know, I think it's only right that we're a bit nervous, a bit worried about certain things, a bit concerned about certain things because, you know, we're not ready. I think Tony was honest. We're not because for all the work we have done, you know, like it's, it's come out the blue and, um, you know, no one was really expecting it. So we've got to switch on, switch on quickly. Um, and yeah, we've got some guys like me who haven't played football for a while. We've got some older guys who are even older now and some of these lads who are very green and they're, they're untested at this level. So we've got to make sure the little things that we can, you know, prepare for, um, are in place rather than, you know, just go in being excited and happy to be playing again because it, we, we might come out with egg on our face. And that's the last thing we want when we're trying to get this project back to where it should be uh, so we've got to be um, yeah take take insight excitement and enthusiasm you know into this match but actually uh, you know nerves are good nerves will prepare us for um, for what we've got to do and as long as we put in a performance I think that's that's the key for me as long as we work hard and um, and find find our feet with how we want to play a little bit even if we get beat I think that's that's the key but yeah, obviously we're going to be going out, doing everything we can to get some some points in that first one. Yeah, I mean, I've, I spoke to Tony quite a lot over the, the summer and in recent times as well. But from a player's perspective, how difficult is it to prepare for a season where you're sort of given possible dates? I mean, like Tony said, you've basically done three pre-seasons because you've been aiming for one date and then another. And now all of a sudden you've got this next date, which came quicker than you expected. I mean, how difficult is that as a player? Oh, it's it's, it's quite traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, honestly, especially for me, because, um, you know, in just my opinion, I, I think, you know, my story of having, having sort of last season out and um, I've always sort of compared it to having sort of two sides to myself. I've got this Ross Allen, the player, who has had to take a back seat the last year, you know, which I've been delighted about because it meant, you know, Ross has come out and I've been able to enjoy my life in other areas. Um, and then as soon as we hit the ground on, on training on Thursday, I couldn't believe it how, how quickly, 
you know, from a week before in Sark, I'd been chilling out, like relaxing. And then a week, you know, a few days later, I'm, you know, Ross Allen's back. And then Sunday, you could just see that in, in the way I was playing and the way I was enjoying my goals. So, yeah, it's tough. And I think for everyone who's, you know, thinking, oh, I'm just going to have a season in Prio again, or, oh, I'm thinking about all the other things that I'll be able to, you know, use this time for. And then suddenly... It's everything we want. We want to play for Guernsey FC, but it's all these little adjustments in your life that the things like you know Nick was talking about, things you don't necessarily think about in the moment. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it is really tough, but um, I think I think uh, you know ultimately it, it's it's good, it's exciting, it's what we want. Um, yeah, so we've just got to adjust, and uh, I think the the, the life of against the FC player is it's all about adaptability and um, you know most of us have got that in in spades now (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the fact that your first game is against Sutton Common Rovers who as we we sort of quite well know played Jersey Bulls um, in the FA Cup recently um, has that helped in the fact that they did that BBC iPlayer thing you've been able to see a bit of that if, if, if necessary and I mean I don't know how your contacts are with Jersey but the fact that Jersey have had that chance to play them and we're that's our first game up does that help to a slight degree yeah I, it could go both ways eh? <laughs> I, I, Gareth I think because ultimately you know it's great that we can see a bit of that and and see how Jersey who you know we're on a similar level hopefully to um but at the same time because Jersey got through and uh, it's going to put a little bit of a you know a gauge of where we're at compared to them um so people will obviously make those comparisons no matter what happens, even though it's a totally unfair situation with um, the fact that the, those teams are well into their season. So, yeah, I think it's in a way it's it's a good game to get us going because it, it forces us, you know, we can use that to say, you know, it's not a freebie, guys. We've actually got to make try and make a statement if we can. Um and uh, and put in a performance, but I think that's all people will be looking for. I don't, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting a miracle first game. It's just how we how we can adapt and um, and deal with the day, the whole day, the the travelling, the um, getting back up, you know, getting up early again, and having to go and play a football game after several hours, going through airports, and it's not, it's you know, that's going to be a new experience for for most of us because it's not going to be anywhere near the same as what we've been used to. So. Um, yeah, there's all there's all these little little elements that um, I, I think you know make up the package. But it's 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 a good you know they're good problems to have. I'm not I'm not saying anything's negative. It's all um, really 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 positive, and hopefully yeah uh, yeah everything goes off uh, without any problems. Nick, obviously the club will have been working quite closely with the league over the last couple of years. You know, pulling out. Um, which turned into a quite a stage decision last season, obviously, um, and all the uncertainty this year. Do you expect as a club to be sort of welcomed back into the fold when you turn up at these new places, or will there be a bit of a kind of, oh, you, these Guernsey FC boys who just caused us headaches for the last, you know, 18 months? Uh, probably a bit of both, but to be honest with you, as we say, we're in a new league. Um, clubs normally really look, for, look forward to coming over to Guernsey. Um, I'm really looking forward to going to some new grounds. So, um, it's really exciting when you turn up to a new place and obviously you have to build those relationships with the people involved in the football club. So over the last um, 10 years, we've built up good relationships with many football clubs and there's some football clubs that, quite frankly, don't like us. Um, but I think there's fewer and fewer of those around. Um, 
And I think as the season goes on, we'll find out where our friends are in the league and, and where people perhaps think it's a bit of a nuisance to come here. But you've got to ignore the negative voices and you've got to embrace the positive voices. And as Ross said, you know, these are nice problems to have because, um, you know, as an individual, I'm very excited to be back involved. Um, but, um, you know, I, I know the hard work that needs to be done now, but for the Guernsey community and for for the players involved, we've got a fantastic opportunity now. And uh, as Ross said, we can't um, neglect that because, you know, we need to go and we need to be competitive. So we're not ready, but um, we owe it to everybody who puts in so much hard work to make sure we put in a performance. Um, and that's both on the pitch and off the pitch. Yeah, and you mentioned the sort of commercial imperative now heading into the, the season, um, the need to balance the books and, and obviously cover costs. It, does it help that you're in a new league and, you know, there are going to be new teams coming to Footslay and, you know, maybe that means new sets of supporters who, who fancy coming over for a weekend, but also, I guess, for, for local supporters, yeah, just, you know, that little bit of extra kind of refreshment almost to the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's had a little break from Guernsey FC, so it'd be interesting to see when we have our first game. At the moment, it's scheduled the 23rd um, of October against Northwood would be our first home game. It'd be interesting to see how many people come down. We hope there'll be lots of people coming down there. Missed Guernsey FC, really looking forward to watching them, but they're going to see new clubs. They're also going to see uh, new faces playing for Guernsey FC. But again, people will only come down if they believe they're going to get um, a performance. And as Ross said, people don't expect you to win every game. They expect to see a performance, but it, it does help. So, you know, this is the next generation now. Um, Ross has been involved since the start, but actually the new generation have, have got a duty now to to really make their mark and, and have a chapter in Guernsey FC's history where they re-engage our community. And let's hope, as you say, as we come off the back of the pandemic, we see lots of sports tourism happening as well. Yeah, I think um, you've definitely got a point there, Nick. I think last year's or the last Christmas, sort of the originals game, as it was sort of called, it did show how much of an appetite people have to actually get down there and see some football action, whether it be GFC in a league game or just GFC as a squad playing into so I'd imagine, I know you say it's hard to predict, but I imagine the crowd should be pretty good come the time when we get some competitive football back here. Yeah, I mean, I think that first game, you've got the excitement, but it's, um, it's those cold winter nights and near Christmas when it's raining. And, and that's when you rely on the team to put on a performance. If the team put on a performance, um, the fans will come back and... We know we've got a fantastic fan base. We know our season ticket holders will come week in, week out. But it's it's that extra probably 400 to 800 people that will come to Guernsey FC if they think they're going to enjoy it. You know, we, we know we've got a fantastic fan base, but actually that's not enough. We want more. We want big crowds. But in, in order to get that... We need people like Ross to score goals and we need young players to come in. <laughs> no pressure. And actually, you know, <laughs> um, you know, with the greatest respect to Ross, Ross is here now to kind of to, to guide the next generation. So Ross will do everything Ross can do. But we saw with, you know, Alex Scott, when Alex Scott came in, the impact he had, um, you know, on away games and the performances he was putting in and the excitement of watching Alex Scott and the young generation coming to watch him. Now, he's gone on to Bristol and obviously he's moved on, but there's some younger players coming through now and they've got a responsibility and they've got a platform now. So if people can come through and put in a performance, then we will see new faces at Foots Lane. 
I think just finally, I mean, yeah, for both of you, match day is quite different. <laughs> Obviously, you spend um, on either side of the, the white line. Um, but what what is the sort of single moment or little thing that you're sort of most looking forward to or that you've most missed about match days? You can't say scoring goals for us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, obviously that's a given. Uh, but I think just for me, um, yeah, I think just, just you know, in that tunnel at Foots Lane, getting ready to go out, that 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 excitement, that, that sort of little bit of anxiety about how it's going to go. But, you know, just walking out and, and that whistle going and, and playing in front of a, a home crowd, it's, it, you know, there's nothing to compare it to in, in, in Guernsey football. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I think for me that will be that will be brilliant. That was great. We got a taste of it again at Christmas with the originals newbies game. Um, but yeah, it's just it's been something that I've definitely been been missing. And and the away fans as well. They're they're they're, they're they are really special. They are really special. They they make an amazing um, commitment every every season to get to some far out the way places. And I think a few of them are going to have even further to go this season. So. Yeah, this it will be great to sort of reconnect with them, um, and hopefully, hopefully find some some new fans who can um, support and push us on this season. Yeah, for for me, home games is a very similar thing. Uh, as Ross said, when the team walk out, it's uh, here we go again, and it's fantastic to look around and and see the faces there. And it's it's not just the football; it's looking around the stands and seeing the same faces and seeing people part of the community really enjoying the project as I call it um, you know and of course we all love seeing goals go in but it's just a fantastic atmosphere of a home game and as Ross rightly says away games they're very different but we've got a very loyal following away and it's fantastic to see them but nothing kind of gives me more pleasure than going away with a squad on uh, particularly on a midweek and uh, when you're sat on the coach and if you've got a draw or even better a win it's just a fantastic feeling because as Ross said it's not easy going away and you do feel you're battling the odds when you're traveling and you can't beat that feeling of, of getting on the coach and knowing that you put in a performance and you deserve to be going away with the points and Finally, as, as Ross said, you know, uh, some of our fans, um, I'm sure uh, Roger LePage is one of them. He won't mind me saying he's not getting any younger. And he last um, season we were playing, he was struggling to get to games with his health. Um, and I spoke to him and he's actually bought a camper van. And, and the reason for that is so he can come to the games. It means he can stay after the games and he said chat to the players and, and all of the fans and then he can uh, find somewhere to sleep and then he'll drive home the next day. So that's commitment. <laughs> that's amazing. And, uh, if you're listening, Roger, thank you. Um, we can't wait to see you. And uh, it's just a, it's just an honour really to kind of be able to speak to people like that. So if, uh, if you miss your flight on the way back, you'll be uh, in, <laughs> Roger, in Roger's camper van. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> Just before we finish, just uh, tell us about the the new kind of setup for Guernsey FC TV because yeah, I guess the hope being that more people will be able to watch the away games this season. Absolutely. So um, we'll be releasing more details. Um, so just keep an eye on the Guernsey FC Facebook and Twitter and, and, and website. And um, I'm sure that the, the Guernsey Press will be sharing the information as well. But this season, GFC TV is going to be free to view. Um, you'll be able to view it on the Guernsey FC website and um, more details on how you can watch it will be released in the next 24 hours. But we're hoping by making it free, more people will be able to watch it. There's no price barrier there. Um, we're hoping that means younger people will watch it as well in terms of um, players who are aspiring to 
be part of Guernsey FC in the future. Um, and it, it just means that everybody can engage with the project. Nick Legg and Ross Allen speaking to me and Gareth a little bit uh, earlier on. Rob, they haven't had long to get ready, have they? But I'm sure they'll be giving it their best. It, well, yes, I'm sure they will. And um, they always have done. They've done the Ireland proud, to be honest, in the last 10 years of competition in the UK. And I don't think it'll change, even though it's obviously they're going to... Some bigger hurdles to face um, on this occasion with, you know, the short time span um, in terms of preparation. You know, they've not been together very long. They're obviously short of players, probably in terms of depth of, depth of players than they would probably want. Um, they're in a rebuilding process. But they got Ross to knock the goals in, and when any side with Ross in has got a bit of a chance, you know. And it'd be great to see if he could f- form some sort of lasting playing relationship with the likes of Kyle Smith and Charlton Govine. Because you see those three up front in the forward, forward line, you know, you've got a good chance of uh, scoring goals. Um, my only concern is probably, you know, more in defence, really. Um, we're a bit short of, short of numbers there. Um, Jamie Dodd's not going to be around for a while, but it would seem this knee problem he's got. Um, so that throws a lot of responsibility on Tom Strawbridge, who showed again last week against uh, for Rovers against North what a fine player he is, um, particularly at domestic level. But he is—he knows he's stepping up into a, in, into a much a bigger arena um, with GFC in the Isthmian South South Central League, and um, it'd be interesting to see who he's partnered with. Um, will it be Ben Latok? He's um, his Rovers colleague, will it be with Frank Tobin? Will it be with somebody else? Um, young Ben Solway's in the mix, I, gara, gara, um, I gather. Um, it may well be that Tony decides to choose to move to a back three, um, which will help him a little bit, perhaps with selection, some selection issues. And um, But we are short in numbers in, in central defence, and I'd say it's a bit of worry, you know, domestically, really, in finding good, mature robust centre-halves to play at this level because it is um, there's some big guys at this in, in this division and um, you know um, we need um, we need to protect our goalkeeper which may well be a domestic goalkeeper this year one of the Guernsey lads we shall see it seems like Jordan Kelly is going to get the gloves for this first game but um, I'll be interested to see whether um, that, that, you know um, what sort of protection he can be given um, going forward yeah, absolutely. Um, well, they go, as we said, to Sutton Common Rovers this weekend. Uh, the first home game certainly locked in is Saturday the 23rd of October against Northwood, although there could be one uh, as early as next week. Yeah, um, I gather they're trying to um, slot a game in for the 9th of October because it's a free Saturday at Foots Lane. And um, by the time this, this pod goes to air, we may well have all the fixtures, rearranged fixtures um, for the rest of the season, you know, the matches which have been so far cancelled, or sorry, postponed from, from GFC's early weeks. Well, one uh, Guernsey side who definitely will be coming home uh, pretty soon is Guernsey Raiders. Um, they take on Leicester Lions at Foots Lane, a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. I'm sure there's going to be an absolutely bumper crowd down there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of noise, I think, and a lot of excitement around um, by the time that game gets underway. Uh, Gareth, you spoke to Jolly before, you know, obviously coming off the back of three wins on the road, which has surpassed, I'd imagine, all expectations um, and, and definitely is a bit of a change from this time 
uh, three years ago when after four games in National 2, he <laughs> had lost all four, uh, to be coming into this first home game with three wins out of four. Um, yeah, they'll be absolutely buzzing. Well, they should be, yeah. And to be fair, Tony, they've done it with sort of quite a big injury list as well. They've been missing a lot of players um, so far this season. Um, Geordie was very pleased to tell me that um, in the next few weeks, certainly starting hopefully with Sasse, the selection headaches will be more about who to leave out rather than who he can pick because there are some uh, people returning. Um, I know Lewis Hillier is now back in training following his knee problems. Um, Kieran McGann, who um, started the season very well for Raiders, he took a knock in, I think it was their second game maybe, and he's, he's missed the last couple of weeks, but um, he's back training as well. So, uh, And Charlie Curry is in line to be in, involved this Saturday. So there are players coming back um, at a good time because, like you say, they're, they're going to be joining a confident squad having picked up three good wins, although this weekend... Um, judging by last weekend's result where Leicester Lions picked up a very impressive win over previously unbeaten Isha, who were one of the title favourites, um, Leicester are obviously going to be a, a pretty formidable outfit, I think. And of course, we mustn't forget the um, St Jack's Vikings are in first league action of the season Saturday in an yeah. aperitif to the main match at Yeah, it's Lane. a Lane doubleheader. St Jack's are up against um, Richmond. I think, is it the fourth team of Richmond? Richmond are one of the biggest clubs in England. They've got umpteen teams, I think, is their fourth side. But they're playing at noon, so that'll be, um, yeah, like uh, you say, Rob, that'll be a, n- a nice little um, starter of the day. For Vikings' sake, I hope they're not as good as the last Richmond's team, I think, that came here two seasons ago, probably early, early season, played in the old club pitch. And even though they had some old boys in their unit, they were absolutely superb. And I think on that day, they ripped um, the poor Vikings apart. So um, good luck to the Vikings. So definitely going to be an exciting day at Foots Lane on Saturday. I've been catching up with Jordan Reynolds, the Raiders director of rugby. Um, let's just hear what he had to say about what extra he thinks they can get from the Foots Lane crowd. I definitely believe in the last month, and, and I'm, I, I mean this with hand on heart, I think that's the part that we've been missing the most. Because our, our performances, there's some things that we're doing in the game that are just absolutely well beaters. And then there's other parts where we lose focus and um, you know we, we're allowing teams back into. But I always found when we played at Foots Lane, we could hold that stamina for a lot longer. Um, and I'm hoping on Saturday that can be the real boost that we need. Um, I definitely felt in, the, in that last four weeks we were missing something and, and maybe it was just the opportunity to play at Foots Lane. Well, to hear more from Jordan Reynolds, uh, head over to our social media channels at GSY Press Sport on Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, to see the full interview uh, with the Raiders director of rugby there. And of course, um, pick up the paper on Friday and Saturday for full previews of all the weekend action. It is going to be a really good one, guys. It's definitely what we've been waiting for and Hopefully everyone delivers on the pitch. Let's hope so. Let's hope a couple of home wins for our rugby boys and GSC to at least get something away at Sutton Com- Cotton Ro- Sutton Common Rovers, <laughs> I should say. Um, you know, Jersey Jersey were held there. Let's hope um, we you know we can get at least a point. Yeah, it'd be great to see. Well, best of luck to everyone uh, in action this weekend. And uh, yeah, thanks to you guys. We'll see you on the other side. Cheers. Cheers, Tony. 